Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. The Stanley Cup Finals get in right now. New customers, five bucks. You get $100 in free plays if you put that down. All right. Now joined by a traveler, a man world be free, also known as Matt Bilbaugh, <laughs> who is also off watching his daughter play volleyball. Matt, fill us in on what you're up to. I am, uh, yeah, I'm in Phoenix right now. Got a big, big volleyball tournament. Um, all the volleyball, if, if you know, you know. All the volleyball dads know what I'm talking about. You know, a hundred courts in the convention center, and uh, it's pretty fun. It's actually pretty fun. So I'm actually doing a little work around the lunchtime hour and fitting in a, a nice little podcast with you, right. Luke. And I, Matt, Luke. and Matt, let's be, let's be honest. There's nowhere you'd rather be either. That's got to be awesome watching your daughters do work. Oh yeah, yeah. When you're a what is it a, a girl dad? I mean, when you're a girl dad, it's it's the best. You wanna you wanna be hanging around them. So it's a lot of fun, man. I I didn't know anything about volleyball until my daughters got into it. All my all my buddies, you know, that I played with, Judd Bushler and Steve Kerr and Bruce Frazier, they were all volleyball guys. And I used to see them peppering around the you know around our dorms and stuff. And I'm like, would you guys stop doing that? This is a terrible sport. Right. And, um, <laughs> I love it now. I love this sport. It's an awesome sport. Um, so, but forget and Judd that, was man. good, huh? And Judd was pretty good too. Shoo, man, he was he was ridiculous. He, right. you know, when he retired from the Bulls, he retired for a few years, and he was honestly, when he started, he started playing. I think when he got in his forties in some of these like international tournaments, and he was one of the best players, not in the country, in the world. That's how good he was, and right. still is. He still can play, but um, pretty fun stuff. And you know, from that team, my my eighty eight team. It's insane how many kids have have played, you know, sports in different areas. And a lot of volleyball players, Judd's daughter played at UCLA. Kerr's daughter played at Cal. Joe Turner's daughter played at U of A. Uh, Harvey Mason's daughter played at U of A. Um, pretty, pretty amazing. So, so you mean to tell me that there were some good bloodlines that came out of that 88 team there, Matt? <laughs> you know, when when teams went out to, to, uh, to uh, look at Steph Curry, didn't they look at his dad and say, 
you know, his dad was like what the 15th pick in the draft and right. a pretty good shooter. Don't you, don't you look at fathers and say, you know, that, that might make a, make sense. Well, I mean, think of it this way, Matt, if you had a son, he'd be in the NBA by now already, regardless <laughs> of his age, just kind of looking cool. at it that oh, way. Yeah. So that was, you know, I should have gone pro after I was a sophomore because I had, I had potential at that point mm -hmm. and maybe the drafts based off potential. I know. Right. So let's uh, let's so let's talk some NBA draft. Let's also talk about your buddy Steve Kerr, who's doing some really good things as well. But first, let's just break it down player by player. You use the term "wiggle" when it comes to Ben Matherin. I noticed on a national broadcast one time that was brought up about Ben Matherin going to the Pacers. What do you think about the fit? Also, what do you think about his ability to be able to make plays off the bounce with his wiggle at the next level? Yeah, I think uh, that was what he needed to do this year, right? Yeah, I mean that was that was that was the question on him. He could shoot the three. We we all knew he could shoot a catch and catch and shoot. We knew he could finish, um, but it was everything in between, like twenty two feet and and one inch. And right. um, and I think he, you know, I think he proved it. I think the other thing he did improve to me that I was unsure of was I didn't know about his just his like his competitive makeup and right. his his, his will and, and those things, which we'll, we'll talk about your guy, Dale and Terry here in a minute. Mm -hmm. You, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to you because you called that in, in, I don't know, like, like December, I think you called it. You said right. that guy's going to be a top 15 pick. And I, I thought you were crazy. Um, and not that I didn't think he could be a top 15 pick maybe in a year or two. I just didn't see it this early, but Right. You nailed it on his um, on his skill level, his spirit. But anyway, back back to Ben. We'll talk about about Dalen. I, I think you know his. I thought his. I thought his competitiveness, his emotion, and all that that we saw in the TCU game, in the in the Houston game, in the UCLA game. So I that that was what that was what made me. That's why I think he became a number five pick is is because of those intangibles, or number six. I think it was. Yeah. Six, right? No. Um, and I was asking you before a little bit about where um, he, how he compares to a Michael Dickerson. You obviously have a history with Michael Dickerson. Um, you saw him up close, just from a a six foot five kind of freaky athleticism, very well put together. Do you see similarities there between the two? I do. Yeah, size wise, kind of their build, like you said, they're freaky. I, I don't know. I I feel like Ben actually gets higher. I felt like Dickerson was quicker, like in right, terms I agree. of like baseline to baseline um the other guy that comes to mind for me when i watched him in the in the, in the finals was uh jalen brown i think he's mm -hmm. a lot like jalen brown um and and has that and has the uh you know like the other guy too i mentioned to you and you made a good comment who was the kid from indiana that was a top two or three pick um uh six six really good player i think he's with miami now um, oh, um, uh, what, why am I drawing a total blank on this? Um, no, drawing a blank. Um, we'll uh, are, you are you talking about o OG on No, no. Um, he was, I think he was, wasn't he with Indiana? And I think he was like a top, top three or four pick with, with, uh, the Hoosiers like six, seven years ago. I'm going to find this out. Not Evan Turner. No, that was Ohio right. State. Was that Ohio State or? Yeah, it was Ohio. I'm going to find this one out, Matt. Okay. We'll figure it out. But anyway, right. I, Look, the dude's the sixth pick. I mean, it's it's Victor Oladipo. There you go, Oladipo. Right, for That's sure. Right. That's right. So, I think I think Ben deserves a lot of credit. I think he, 
you know, it's not easy for a guy like that. You know, we have that pressure and trying to become that high of a pick. And, and I think, you know, you know, Sean Miller obviously recruited him. Hats off to Sean for doing that. But I think Tommy, Tommy gave him a really good year and did a lot with him and been, been responded. Um, you know, I was watching the, I was watching the finals and everybody made a big deal of Andre Iguodala when he was coaching up Wiggins. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? Oh yeah, for which, sure. Which I loved. I thought that was incredible. We know Andre's, he may be the smartest NBA player of all time. One of right. them. But I think what people missed in that exchange was Wiggins willingness to be coached. Yes. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know every situation, but I think, you know, a lot of these young kids push back a little bit and maybe Ben pushed a little bit, but I think Ben's willingness to be coached this year is what got him, you know, to the next level. I look at Ben and I think that there's two different things. I think his upside is a perennial all-star. Um, and that's if he reaches his potential. I think he can be a, you know, I think he could be a 21, 22 point per game guy. I don't know that he's an all NBA player, but I think he can be an, an NBA all-star. I also think his you know, his low level is probably 11 or 12 points per game. He's going to be a contributor, Matt, for a long yeah. time. It just depends on what level he's going to be contributing in the NBA. Yeah, to- totally agree with that. I love how that that's actually interesting because when these guys break them down, you do have to think of like, okay, I think it's an interesting analysis to break down a guy's ceiling mm-hmm. and his floor. And right really understand what that is in the at the next level and like you said i i look at that draft last night and he ben may have as high a ceiling as anyone in the agreed agree he might be one or two in that draft like him and i don't know i mean I, i look at him as possibly one or two well and i think a lot of people too they didn't realize how good maybe even nba scouts until you start pushing or poking and prodding around a little bit and you realize he's every bit of six foot six He's 212 pounds. He's he's physically he's ready to play right now. And what I'm what I find incredibly intriguing is just the difference. And again, I don't want to make him out like he's Allen Iverson when he came back for his sophomore year. But right. he really did, Matt, go from being a straight line driver or a three point shooter to you can clear out. And I think of that TCU game at the very end right there where granted he pulled up for a three, but he had that ball on a yo-yo right there. And that wasn't something he was able to do right. last year. So I'm going to use that term next year a little more now too. ball on a yo-yo and, and wiggle. I got man, wiggle in my arsenal now. Dude, wiggle and put it on a yo-yo. That's all we need out of this, Matt. That's all I need oh. next year. Right. Let's see. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, Dale and Terry then. So yep. you get to uh, – the thing that uh, you and I talked about a lot that I thought was going to be fascinating was generally when guys are listed at six foot seven with the seven-foot wingspan – Come to find out they're about six, five and a half with about a six, nine and a half. <laughs> right, right. Right. Dale and Terry goes there. He's correctly measured. And he, they find out that he's every bit of six foot seven. And not only is he every bit of six foot seven, he's got, I don't want to say he doesn't have a point guard feel for the game, but he's got innate physical and mental features that you can't really coach from the ball handling to the passing. Yeah, he, he it, it, like I think a lot of times people started this year and they would start with, well, he's not a great shooter or his shot mm-hmm. looks a little funny. By the way, a lot of credit too to Tommy Lloyd and his staff for got changing it a bit. And then of course Dalen putting the work in. But to your point, if you get beyond that, there are so many positives. Like he's really to me a poor man's kind of a young Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. you know, like look, and I know Andre, I'm not, you know, Andre was pretty damn good. 
Um, mm-hmm. He was the man. You know, he didn't come in as a role player. He was the man. So he had a little more, a little difference there. But again, the size, the sort of length that I just love Dalen's, you know, his unselfishness, his defense. He doesn't care about scoring. Um, and, you know, so often, the, I, I told you this, so often the NBA, you hear things like, um, you know, we care about a kid's attitude. We care about his spirit. We care about the unselfishness, how he plays. And then when draft day comes, I've seen it happen with GMs. They they fall in love with right. none of those things. They fall in love with the, you know, the, the, the shiny object over there that can, you know, exactly. jump over everybody. And, um, and Dalen can jump over people too. But, you know, I just think that the intangibles of him, you know, to use a cliche, you know, checked every box. They're off the charts. His, his spirit is amazing, and I think that the the scouts and the GMs and them took took notice of that. And, right. Um, in addition to all the other, you know, like you said, innate IQ and passing and ball handling, playmaking, all those things. There is one one difference that uh, you mentioned to me a couple months ago, and I wanted to get to in just a second. But Ricky Garrett says, "How many spots do you think Terry jumped up after doing the combine and pre-draft? I feel like he put the nation on notice." Yeah, Ricky, I think he went from being a mid-second round pick to being the 18th pick. I think you could make the case favorably that he probably jumped 30 spots right there just off, you know, potential working out. You made one you made a very interesting point though a couple months ago, Matt, when I was asking you and I said, "Well, why isn't he Andre Iguodala? Why can't he, you know, be what Andre Iguodala was?" And and again, this isn't an insult to Dalen Terry because we're talking about a guy who's a borderline Hall of Famer. He doesn't quite have Andre's sudden athleticism. He's a very yeah. good athlete, but and you 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 were the one that coined that. Andre is a ten plus athlete across the board, especially when it comes to suddenness. Yeah, yeah. His his like dynamicness, yes. if that's a word, right? His suddenness, his his ability to like to like be so dynamic is is in the top like two or three percent of the nba mm-hmm. especially when he was at his prime i mean he's right. still throwing he's still throwing stuff down like going down the lane throwing it down for sure but but like you said i mean well it's it's i, I always laugh about you know you talked about Kerr earlier you know relative to these nba players that are otherworldly athletes th- these are not normal human beings right and but steve kerr is an incredible athlete Mm-hmm. And and he got dissed a lot for not being a great athlete, or or I did, you know. Hey, Matt's right. Matt Matt doesn't. Well, yeah, when you compare me to Sean Elliott or um, <laughs> right. Allen Iverson or whatever, you know, um, yeah, that's true. But Kerr was an incredible athlete. Terry's an incredible athlete. But yeah, Andre was like like just beyond such a good athlete. And again, his IQ, his length, his strength. Um, there were so many things that he could do. It was just, hit, and you know, and Andre was more of a scorer than Dalen. I think mm-hmm. that's be for the sure, hundred percent. Step for for Dalen, can he become a little more of a scorer? Look for that a little more because Andre would get to the rim, get to the free throw line, and and had a little more of an offensive just force or will. Right. And I think that's, and again, Dalen's only a sophomore. So, right. Yeah. William Anderson, uh, he makes a point here. He says DT will have the best career of the three. I'll put it to you like this. I wouldn't be surprised. I think I think Ben's probably got the highest upside. But if you were if we were to sit here in yeah. 12, 13 years and we've come to find out that Dalen Terry has been a starter in the league for eleven years, ten years, whatever, I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised. Um what do you now fit is interesting there. I was hoping he was gonna go to a team like the Spurs or the Heat. The Bulls are kind of meh. 
But I think if you go in there and you realize that we're going to have to work with him a little bit, he's not going to be able to play immediately. It's almost kind of a red shirt year for him. I think you can really bear some fruit there at the end there, Matt. Yeah, I think I think anybody that has that, you know, I think like in football, the best player in football with Mahomes that year he had to just play behind Alex Smith. Right. And if, and if, and if, you know, Dalen can get some time to kind of work his way through it. I like, I like the fact that when you're the sixth pick, like Ben, you know, people are going to expect something on day one. Um, Exactly. Maybe not an all-star, but they're going to expect something. And um, that's, that's not always easy to deal with. So I think Dalen's in that nice little range there where they know he's good. They know he's young. They're going to give him a little time and, and that can, can only help him. All right, real um, real quick. Matt mentioned uh, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs. If you want to get in on the Kansas City Chiefs, that was a very good reference right there. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Put in five bucks, get a hundred dollars in free plays if you bet on these NHL finals. Twenty one and up, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Next Step. Matt, do you have big expectations for your Chiefs right now? And if somebody was looking to get on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, do you expect them to have a good season this year? Oh, of course. Come on, Lukey. Come on, my man. They're gonna suck. They only got Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Come on. So, but they did, uh, get, they, they did get get rid of Tyreek the freak, though. Right. But I, I also I also think though that he's so good that all right, well, you get rid of him, you draft a first round receiver, you bring in Juju. Don't feel bad for the Chiefs. They're gonna be okay. And that also means don't feel bad for Matt Mulebach as well. That's <laughs> that one. So all right. Let me let me get to you. Let me get your thoughts on Coloco here. Um, I don't know that I've seen a big man maybe improve this much over the course of maybe one year since, you know, maybe Jordan Hill. Uh AJ was certainly in that group, but AJ improved so much just from the beginning of the sophomore year to the end of his sophomore year. I don't even know that I can put that one in there. But yeah. The improvement that Coloco showed was was off the charts, and you've got to get a lot of kudos to Tommy Lloyd for the confidence that he instilled in Coloco. Hundred percent, yeah. You know, two years ago, I remember I did the first game that Arizona had. It was Miller's last year, and I remember talking to Sean and Jack Murphy, mm-hmm. and they said we think Coloco might be the the most improved player in the league this year, and and win that award. Right. And you know, we were kind of watching for that. And it didn't happen, right? right? And I think he was the classic, you know, pandemic sort of guy that that got lost in the sort of shuffle there because he didn't have the workouts. He didn't have the weight room stuff. And so they were on it. They knew he had that potential and that he cared. I'll tell you this year when I, when I asked Chris Rounds, the strength and conditioning coach, I said, who's the guy in the weight room that works the hardest? One of the first – it was either the first or second name. He said Coloco, which right. – and round, rounds doesn't mince words. So right, you know, exactly. You know he's you know he works hard. And so when I heard that, I was like, that that's a good sign. But you're right. He he improved his. I just thought his like his spatial awareness, his his awareness of the game, his ability to just like feel the game, to me went up like dramatically this year. Which also lends itself to maybe saying he's got a pretty big ceiling too, because his offensive game, like. Mm-hmm. It's he's he's not being picked obviously for his offensive game. So right, let's let's talk about his offensive game because you were talking during the uh, Pac-12 tournament about how um, he the, Arizona was able to put uh, Coloco on Jaime Hawkins and 
Jaime Hawkins is a bad boy, especially on the perimeter right there. I think you coined the uh, little are the uh, Luke Walton comparison. I think that's a very good one right there. <laughs> but so you get um, you you get Coloco who's able to guard a big man. He can guard an Infali Dante one game, and then yeah. lo and behold, he's going to be guarding uh, Jaime Hawkins the next. That's obviously intriguing. Offensively, though, it's going to be fascinating because, and I could be wrong here. I'm curious as to your take. I think that he's got more potential offensively as a stretch type guy. I He worries me. I don't know that he's necessarily a rim runner type because while he's a good athlete, he's not a, again, I can't really ever come up with the quite, quite the term. He's not a finisher per se, especially against really big dudes. But I think he's got a lot of potential as a as a stretch guy, especially if you're able to give him a redshirt year or two. Am I totally wrong there? Or am I right? No, I think you're right. I, I looked. Remember when I was doing his first game or early on, just looking at his free throws, and he didn't shoot it well uh, statistically. But his form is good. Mm-hmm. Like he has he has good rhythm on his jumper. He has good form. He has all the pieces. And I always remind people. And again, I'm not comparing him to Channing Fry because Channing was a, a special. Right. type of talent. But I think the number is Channing only took 24 threes, you know, his, his entire college career. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and I don't think Coloco is not probably going to be Channing Fry. You know, <laughs> right. shooting it. But my point is th- that that can evolve in a big way if you have the, the foundation and the tools for it. And I think he does. He shoots his free throws really nice. He's improved those a ton. I think he's got, you know, the length and all that to be able to shoot a 20 footer easily. Um, and the strength to do that, but um, I think he's going to be intriguing on a pick, pick and pop. I'm I would disagree with you slightly on the rim run, though. Mm-hmm. I think most people actually, do. I think he'll actually be pretty good on that. And um, you know, he I mean he he dominated Kofi uh, the kid Kofi from, Coburn uh, for sure Coburn from uh, Illinois. It was it was mm-hmm. obviously a, a tank, right? So um, I was I was wrong I was wrong about Terry though you were right on that but I I'm I'm gonna go against you I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Coloco is gonna be a rim runner. Does he have a little bit of Chris, uh, Chris Boucher in him? That's a good one. I just Boucher's a was a far I think more um, his shooting and offense were were a little bit for like sure perimeter wise were way ahead of him. Right. And I think Boucher's even longer, isn't he? I mean, I'm, I'm not even sure. I mean, it's funny. Every time I look at the Raptors game, well, I don't watch a lot of Raptors. I'm, I'm nerdy, but I'm not that nerdy. Um, every time I look at a Raptors game, though, he has one game every, like, 40 games where he has, like, 40 points and 18 rebounds. And then, it's amazing. Then it goes right back to, like, six and seven or something like that. All right. So, um, in summation, before we get to uh, Matt's guy, Steve, right here, I like the I like I like the I like how everything panned out for the U of A. I also think too that it's a great it's just a great point for Tommy Lloyd. Not that he needs any help, but Matt, you grew up. I'm assuming you grew up wanting to play in the NBA before you grew up wanting to play in college basketball. Is that fair? I wanted to be world be free. That was well, one of my favorite favorite players right there. There was a rhetorical Lawyer. question. It was a rhetorical Lawyer. question. But the kids want to play in the NBA. So when you when you get Tommy Lloyd walking in and saying, here's what I did at Gonzaga as far as this goes, we got two yeah. first-round picks, we got a high second-round pick, you immediately get the casual parent's ear that, oh, NBA, tell me a little bit more about that. So this was a really good really good evening for Tommy Lloyd as well as the U of A basketball players. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, when Arizona talked to me, initially when Luke talked to me, they didn't have that. 
They right. didn't have the stories of the guys going to the NBA. They didn't have Steve Kerr yet in the NBA or Sean Elliott yet in the NBA. And so um, a lot of it, you were going on, you know, oh, you know, if, if you wanted to play in the NBA, it was like, well, I think we can help you now. Right. This story is crazy. And I can you know, show you. I can show you the lineage. And I think the thing they can show them is two things. They can show them that Arizona is a brand and people pay attention to brands like Arizona, like UCLA, like Kansas. They draft guys from those schools. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I think that the other thing that he can really show them is the development of all three of these guys we just talked about. And he can go into the homes and say, look, I'm going to develop your so – you know, we're about development. That's what right. Tommy was about at Gonzaga. That was really one of the pillars of what made their their system work. And I think that's that, to me, is kind of gold for them to be able to say that. All right, let's get to Steve here in just a second. But again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. I watched the entire Warriors finals. Matt watched it. You know what's even funner? or more fun is if you put down five bucks to get a hundred dollars in free plays. If you're a new customer, I'm generally wrong on everything. I actually like the warriors to win that finals as did Matt. Although Matt was very concerned throughout the finals. I'm not going to give Matt a total of <laughs> total free on that one, but that's right. 21 and up Arizona only gambling problem. Call 1-800 next step. They'll get you all taken care of. Okay, Matt. Um, before we get into breaking it down, Steve Kerr right now, it's one of the five greatest NBA coaches of all time. It's not really a debate. You've got right. Phil, you got Phil Jackson, you got Greg Popovich, you got Red Arbach, you've got Pat Riley, and you've got Steve Kerr. He is firmly cemented in there right now. And who would have thought eight nine years ago that it looks like Steve's going to take the New York Knicks job? You know, yeah. And here we are nine years later. He's got four titles, and like you and I talked about yesterday, this thing isn't slowing down anytime. Yeah, they got a window there. They got young, good, hungry players. They got the the DNA, the championship DNA. I I don't know. I just I, like I shake my head when I think of Steve. Like I just think of Midas. The dude has the For dude sure. has the Midas touch. I mean, it's almost like anything he does, he has the Midas touch. It's just mm -hmm. crazy, and couldn't be happier for him. I mean, I, I think of those other guys. Like you know, you got Phil, and they're I mean, amazing guys. Pop is to some degree, pretty normal, but in having Steve in that list and having him as normal as he is, yes, his, his like ratio of like incredible experiences and accomplishments to normalness is maybe the highest in history. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. Because he just looks like a normal dude. I've never but met him, is. but he looks like a normal guy. And he is, and he's like, but he's, but he's really smart. He has, he has a really good, I think, I mean, obviously, he's a great basketball mind, um, but he has such a he just has a great feel for people and and, you know, teams and and just like how how he like coaches his people is his relationship and communication stuff is next level. Is he a quiet confidence guy? Like when you guys are talking on the phone or you're grabbing something to eat, can you tell when he thinks that? we're going to be pretty good. I'm just not really saying it. What kind what, what's he like? Because I always wonder with geniuses like that. And Steve Kerr is yeah. a basketball genius that they know things that the average person just can't observe. I've always wondered that. Do you, do you ever detect yeah. any of that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think this year, like what he was detecting more than anything is like how tough it was going to be. And I think he was almost like, in a way, he was almost like surprised at how well he coached that team. That's yeah. the best coaching job that he's done. No doubt. 
other than maybe the first year, because mm -hmm. the first year he's got, he's coming from nowhere. He's coming right. from the booth and he's got to sit, stand in a locker room and talk to these guys. I'm going to say right now, standing in an NBA locker room and addressing a team and having the confidence to do it and the belief and, you know, mm -hmm. making that happen. That's one of the tougher jobs in America. Like, right. Cause these dudes are, you know, half of them are worth 20 million, 50 million, a hundred million. Mm -hmm. And they, and they are hard to impress. They are very hard to impress. They, they know frauds when they see them. Right. They, they can sniff you out really quickly. Right. Right. And uh, so anyway, his first year being able to do that. And then this year, I just think like because of the differences that they had with their team and so forth, but I don't know if I really answered your question. I'll say this, like, he he does he does feel like what's going on though pretty at, at a pretty high level. Like I've actually talked to him before where he's you know said like I feel good about tonight's game. Like we had a good practice and right like even like last year when or two years ago when they weren't very good, you know. Right. And um, but um I'll tell you what he is that one of the things that doesn't I mean, it comes across, but his feistiness, like his you know, he has he has a feistiness that's 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 incredible. I always think back to when, and again, I was I remember this like it was yesterday. I I remember reading because when I was about ten years old, the highlight of my day was getting the sports section in the morning and reading it. And on the front page of the Daily Star is a as a thing about Michael Jordan punching Steve Kerr. And, <laughs> you know, but what's funny about it, Matt, is that was really in a weird way kind of a crossroads moment for him as a professional basketball player because obviously Michael Jordan's not going anywhere. You clearly haven't proven anything to uh, to MJ at that point. Point. And oh, by the way, a year later, I'm going to trust you with a shot that's going to win a championship. So just going from that being on that side of Michael Jordan to earning Michael Jordan's complete trust right there, I think just tells you everything you need to know about the, you know, just about the stick to of the man. Yeah, you, that was a Steve Lavin word right there, stick to it. Like I'm, dude, I'm, I'm trying to branch out, man. I like that. I like wiggle, stick to There's a lot of guys here. Um, yeah, he, 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 I know that that fight, like you said, it, it actually like that couldn't have been any better for his career than to get yeah. in a fight with Michael Jordan. Have that on your like you have that on your, your belt buckle to say and yep. to keep coming back then to not wilt to keep coming no. back. Because I remember MJ yeah. saying that, you know, he said, I didn't really know anything about this guy. I knew that he could stand in the corner and shoot threes, but he kept coming yeah. back the next practice and the next practice. I mean, that's that's special stuff right there, because a lot of people wouldn't be able special. to do that. No, it's. Like I said, his his competitiveness, his feistiness, you would never know it. Like hanging right. around him, walking around the U of A campus on a football game day, he's having more fun than anybody there and doesn't even show that. There was a there was a there was a time, um, I'll tell you a, a real quick story. Huh? He I was I, Judd Bushler and myself and Bruce Frazier, a guy named Craig Reeves with caddy for Steve at the old uh, Lake Tahoe celebrity golf tournament. Okay. When all these celebrities come out, and it's like you know, it's Michael and Charles and MJ. I mean, it's uh, the A-listers, the A-list. A you know, yeah. Elway and and um, and so forth, Emmett Smith, etc. But he's standing on the tee, and I'm caddying for him, and we're on the first tee. And you know, he's a really good golfer. But so are a lot of those guys. I mean, there's some yeah. great golfers in that group. And they, you know, there's a crowd. They announce your name. You know, he's not playing every day, so it's it's nervous. Like it's nervy for these guys that don't play every day. Not used to that first tee. Right. And on top of it, Michael Jordan walks behind the tee box because he was going from the ninth green to the to the tenth tee box, and he walks right behind Steve on the first. 
and he stops and he waits. He wants to watch him hit it. And I mean that like the, the I, I like almost get goosebumps thinking about that situation because it was like it was it was like he like Steve told me later, it was like that was his most pressure pressures I've ever had in my life, you know. Right. But he turned to me, he's holding his club and he's getting you know, he's holding the, the ball in the left hand. He turns to me and he goes, he's like, he was nervous, like and he's like, I'm like I'm nervous, like I'm feeling it, like it's pressure right now. And he paused and then he just goes, I love it. For sure. This is fantastic. Like I, I don't get this very often, you know, and he just like, he, he was embracing, you know, the pressure of it. So like, I thought that's just such a beautiful thing for someone to say, here's this incredible pressure and just embrace it. Yep. All right, Matt, before we let you go here, because I know again, uh, this, this is, this gotta be awesome for you right here. I can, and by the way, I can appreciate it. I was having to spy on Tommy Lloyd, AKA follow him around last week. And there was about 15 courts and whistles going everywhere. So I can appreciate the struggle to a certain extent, but I wanted to ask you this. Steve, a lot of people say, is Steve Kerr, the one thing that I always say, somebody who was never able to play at a high level, I always am baffled by the people that walk away with so much left on the table. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, a bit, like if I'm Barry Sanders, I'm looking to break, yeah. I'm looking to throw that rushing record so far out there that nobody can ever touch it. Is Steve gonna is Steve gonna take this one to its uh, to its conclusion? Is he a guy that could retire on top? What do you see for the what is the end game for Steve Kerr as a coach? God, no one's ever brought that up, you know. Like yeah. and that and now because now it's like people are thinking about that. He could he could run know. off multiple here. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like mm-hmm. I did, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I I tend to think I tend to side with he just loves you know the competitive piece of yeah. it, yeah. And I I don't think he will care, you know, that much about it. I mean, like if he's a you know if he's in sight, he's going to go for it. I mean, I, like he's not afraid of it. Right. right. I don't think that's what drives him. You know, right. I really don't. Um, like he, but he'll have fun with it. He'll he'll talk about how he has nine rings. Like right. You know, I sent him I sent him the video of of, Fer, of Ferris Bueller the nine times you know video nine times or whatever. Right. He said something funny about that, but um, I don't know. That's 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 probably a question I got to throw out to him. All right, well, Matt, I can't thank you enough, aka World Be Free, for hopping on here. <laughs> um, get, right, that was get one back of my to- favorites, man. Oh, well, dude, we're, dude, we're going to talk next time we hang out. We're hanging out next weekend. I'm holding you to that. We're yeah. going to, we got some, we got some Lloyd B. Free stories. But Matt, again, you're the best, dude. I'll be bothering you later today. Have a great time, buddy. Thanks, Lukey. Thanks, buddy. All right, talk to you soon. Take care.